0: Good evening, brothers. How you guys doing? Good? Everybody full? Y'all not sleepy, are you? Just get, a, get a half a cup of that coffee, man. And it, it'll get you right. All right. Well, um, I'm blessed to be here with you guys tonight. I really am blessed to be here with you guys, man. Um, me and uh a couple of the brothers that rode out with me. Uh last time I was uh privileged to come here with uh Brother Jim. We came down last time, and uh, we every time we mentioned Elmani, we remember. He remembers. We both we talk about the tri tip. We talk about the fellowship, you know, and uh, it was a sweet, sweet time, man, with you brothers. So I'm blessed to be here. I believe that God has something for us in his word. And so as we've been fed uh, to the full and the physical, uh, we believe that the Lord has something also uh, to feed us with spiritually. So um, let's pray to ask the Lord's blessing on this time. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for just the privilege of be here with these brothers. God, I thank you for uh, putting this together. God, we ask that tonight, Lord, as we spend this time now opening your word, God, we do believe that you want to meet with us, Lord. We believe that your word is living and powerful, God, that you want to speak to us through it. So, God, we pray. I pray for each guy here, Lord. You love each guy here. There's something you want to share with each of these guys. So, Father, I pray that you would give all of us, Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying tonight. God, I pray, um, again, as your word is living, as it goes out, that, God, you would cover every base that you would meet every need and that you would stir up what needs to be stirred up. Lord, convict and correct that which needs correcting and convicting. And Lord, you would encourage and build that which needs encouraging and building. Father, I pray you would have your way in our hearts, in our lives, in this room tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. amen. All right. Well, if you're taking notes, uh, I titled, um, uh, just my message for tonight, exposing Satan. And, uh, as, I, as we get going, I'll explain more of uh, kind of what I, what my intentions are with that. Um, everybody here knows if you're a Christian, uh, you know that you're at war. You know there's a spiritual battle that we're engaged in. Um, but even if you are not yet a Christian, for you guys that have walked without the Lord for a season of your life, um, you were you you didn't know it, but you were at war even when you weren't walking with the Lord when you didn't know Him yet. And um, as I look back over my life as a non-believer, um, I didn't realize. I was at war. I was just on the losing side of it, and Satan doesn't really bother you too much uh, when he's already got you down. And I always liken it to this: if uh, if a guy in a football game, if a guy picks up the football and starts running to the other guy's touchdowns, the defense will just say, "Hey, hey they does just Back off. They, they'll slap him on the butt. You know, you you can go ahead and run in the opposite direction. They won't. There won't be any opposition there because you're 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 running fast towards the wrong way. And so. That's what I believe the life, our life as non-believers, we were just running the wrong with Satan he said, man, I'm not going to mess with you. You're doing enough damage all by yourself. Um, but it, but it is when we begin to consider him and direct our heart and our attention, our thoughts towards him that the war and the battle, that it picks up. We engage in, in warfare. And so what I want to do tonight, um, how many of you guys watch either boxing or UFC, some kind of fight game? All right. Some of you guys. All right. Um, I grew up. A boxing fan. Uh, My two favorite boxers were Mike Tyson um, and Roy Jones Jr. Um, Not because they were black. Uh, Just (laughs) just 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 uh, I like Mike Tyson because he smashed everybody that he fought until you know until it all ended. But I love them. I love that. I like Roy Jr. for this Roy Jones Jr. for the same thing. And uh, now I you know, I enjoy a little UFC and uh, fighting and something that you'll find anybody that fights at that level competitively. They study their opponents They watch video. They watch tape. Um, I've watched how they do it. They actually take the videos and they go backwards and forward. They're watching for um, slight movements. They're looking for what you lead off with. Like when you're leaning on that foot, you're probably going to do this. They study these guys and break them down so that when they show up for fight night, they can get a victory. And so tonight we're going to look at the three times in the word where Satan spoke. Uh, I believe that God put these things in the word for a reason that that he would expose Satan, that he would reveal to you and I that we would know his schemes, that we would know his tactics, that we wouldn't fall victim to them because we've been instructed. We've been God's let us know up front. This is what it's like. And so um, if you guys will open up for the uh, first in uh, Genesis chapter three, Uh, everybody turn to Genesis chapter three. When you get it, say got it. All right. I was I was waiting. I was like. I saw a few, few iPads, just a couple touches, you know. All right. Genesis chapter 3. And, um, you know, just to catch you up to speed, at this point in time was the beginning of creation. God had created the world. Everything was awesome that He made. Uh, God created man. Um, first thing God created that He didn't say was good was a single man. You know, God had made everything else. It was good. The water was good. The, the trees were good. Everything was good. And in Genesis two eighteen, God says that about the man. He says, it is not good that the man should be alone. How many single guys do I have here tonight? How many single guys? Raise them high. I know there's no ladies here. When you ask that in a, in a, in a mixed multitude where there's women, the hands go up really high, but uh, all right. <laughs> cool, man. Well, Lord, the Lord's got, he's got, he's got you covered in his time. And so uh, the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And God put him to sleep and took out his rib and hooked him up a woman, woke him up, and bam, she was there. And Adam was like, life is good. I'm in paradise. I have now a woman. Before this, there were gorillas and chimpanzees and everything else, but now I have a woman here, and I just want you to catch that things were, as God had created it, things were awesome. Things were going great. God brought Adam and Eve together The to end of Genesis chapter two, the first marriage. He brought them together and, and blessed them and told them, go do what married people do. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, go, go do what married folk do. You know, enjoy this place. Enjoy everything I've given you to do. God gave them one rule one restriction one thou shalt not god says in all this place that i've made all this garden you guys can eat whatever you want that one thing in the midst of the garden that tree tree of knowledge of good and evil don't eat don't eat from that tree for in the day that you do so you will surely die every other than that guys have at it enjoy have a ball and always notice this as well that in the midst of the garden there was not just the tree of life anybody know what other tree was in the midst of the garden Oh, sorry. Yeah, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. My I said that backwards. So and there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil that God said don't touch. But there was also the tree of life that had they eaten, they would have had everlasting life. And so as we come to Genesis chapter 3, Satan uh, comes on the scene. It's the first time we see Satan, see Satan interacting um, in the word. And it's, it's, uh, there are some things that are consistent every time we see him. Uh, and I'll say this now and I'll, I'll bring it up each time we look at it later. Every time you see Satan in the Word of God, he's trying to bring division between God and men, always, always seeking it. Rather, he's doing it on the side of trying to tempt men away from God, or rather he's doing it on the side of trying to provoke God against men. Satan is always speaking against us in our relationship with God. And I want to say why that is, and then we'll continue on. Um, Satan is an angel, a fallen angel, created being. God had made, uh, God had made mankind unique. To creation. God had also made angels. The only two things God made that will live forever, human beings and angels. Everything else dies. Your pit bull when it dies, get a new one. It's done. You know, you know, they don't we puppies in heaven or whatever, but human beings and angels will exist for all eternity. Satan and a third of the angels in heaven fell and uh, I don't have time to go into it, but Satan was no longer content to bring glory to God. He was in a position in heaven of oversight of worship of music he was no longer content to use his being, his gifts, to bring glory to God. He wanted it for himself. The Bible says that God will not share his glory with any man. Satan was thumped out of heaven. A third of the angels, because of Satan's influence, he was the anointed cherub that covers. A third of the angels went with him. They, they they fell right along with them. There is no redemption for them. They'll never be forgiven. They'll never be saved. Hell is their destination for sure, period. They have no hope of redemption forgiveness they can't beg for it they can't have it they can't seek it out they're going to hell and so i just want you to understand that that satan is now on a i can't go but whatever i can do to ruin it for you guys that's what i'm about now whatever i can do to ruin it for you guys if you guys know anything about guys the people in prison if somebody's in prison and they got a week to go and somebody's in prison and they got life you don't really want those two people together because the people that got life are like how can i mess this dude up and getting to stick around here a little more, you know they got nothing to lose. Satan is like that. Um, all the years I did high school ministry, every time we did pool parties, uh, you're the youth pastor, you're the target. They want you in the pool. They want to see how they can get you. And I, you know, I, I was able to fight them off many times, but I had a few instances where they had their way. But my thing was, if I'm going down, I'm I'm grabbing with a vengeance to whoever I can grab, and somebody's going in with me. That's Satan. Somebody's going with me. I'm going. Can't help it, but somebody's going with me. And so with that, look at chapter three of Genesis. Chapter three, verse one, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So we get uh, our first little insight about Satan. He was more cunning than anything else. Um, the Bible says a lot about him. If you're writing notes, you can just write these things down real quick. It says here he's cunning. Says in uh, in in John eight forty four that he's a liar and a murderer. He's a father of all lies. Um, in 1 Peter chapter five verse eight says he's a roaring. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In John ten ten says the thief comes but to steal, to kill and destroy. Then Jesus says, but I'll come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So we know that this is a he's fallen and he's bad. Right here he's more cunning than anything else that God had created. And he came to the woman and the first thing he says has a tinge of just call calling seeking to cause her to call god into question she says has god indeed said satan says to eve did god really say that you can't eat of every tree of the garden won't you think about that question for a minute god told eve and adam you guys can have all of this just that one thing in the middle don't touch it if you listen to satan's question it's almost it's almost as though god were being unfair did god really say you couldn't did he really say that It'd be like if you guys got people at work complaining, did they say we can't go to lunch? They said we have to be back, you know, this that, that complaining, you know, attitude is, is, is calling into question the fairness and the goodness of God. Did God really say you can't do that? Like, that's not fair. And when we look at it for what it really is, God has been more than fair. God has been more than good. Be aware of that tactic of the devil, you guys, that with all that God would do with you and all that God has called you to do, there are some things that God has called you and I don't do that. Don't go there. And your flesh, the enemy, the world that you live in will say, well, can we, did God really say you can't do that? You know, and some people seek to live so, just as close to the edge as possible. If God's drawn the line back here. There are people that want to just get right up on the, the edge and see how far they can go. Don't be that guy. Don't fall for that. That's one of Satan's tactics and one of his tricks. Calling in the question. Just, it, God didn't really, did he really say that? Did God really say you the Bible doesn't say you can't you can't get high? You know, I've I've had this debate with people. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say you can't smoke weed. I show me that verse, you know? And um I mean he's like, you know, it's just he's, because it doesn't say the words smoke weed, you know, in the Bible. But I'm like You know, know, there are things that people will struggle with and battle with. The Bible says a lot of things. The Bible talks about pharmakia. The Bible talks about illicit drugs. If you define it for what it is, the Bible does speak about those things. If you're looking for it, if you're open to it. Um, But our flesh, this world, the devil will call us, calls us to call into question at times the fairness of God. Did God really say that I can't do that? When we know for certain that he did. So um, look at Eve's response initially. Verse 2, it says, And a woman said to the serpent, You may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And so E's response up front is pretty good. She says, Well, God said that we can eat of all the trees of the fruit of the garden, but of that one tree, God said we shouldn't eat it. Now she adds, Nor touch it, lest you die. I'll just say this. If you can't eat it, you probably shouldn't be touching it. Amen? If God said don't eat it is, is it, is that the tree you want to be walking around holding one that just can't eat it but just want to see what it feels like? That's uh, probably a good a good extra measure. I don't know if Adam told her that to just keep her out of it or whatever, you know, but she adds, nor touch it, lest you die. And um, she answers her, her initial response to the enemy is one that's born out of, it's, it's a conviction that she has born out of the truth of God's word. It's accurate. It's right. But listen as she talks to the enemy, what happens? It says now in verse um, four, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So now Satan says, nah, God, that's not true. What God says is not true. You won't die. God's lying to you. So he went from calling into question the goodness and the fairness of God. Now he goes straight out and said, you won't die. Nothing will happen. That's a lie too. That's a lie from Satan. When, when your flesh thinks that you can sin and do whatever you want to do, even though you know the Bible says don't do it and there won't be consequences, that's one of Satan's tricks. Loves to get you out there. Loves to get you out there walking in rebellion, walking in sin, walking in darkness where you walk out from under your covering. Loves to get people out there. Um, he says that's not what's going to happen. If God said it'll happen, it'll happen. The Bible says whatsoever a man sows, that what? That he shall also reap. And so you you just that's just a fact. You know, if you sow this into your life, you're going to reap corruption in your life. And so, but Satan says, that's not true. It's not going to happen. And I would say here guys, that we should be cautioned here against walking in darkness. When God has given us light, when God has shown us clearly things that we should and should not be involved in, we're to be cautious about walking in darkness. Um, because when we walk in darkness, we make ourselves vulnerable to things that God would keep us from. Um, I got four kids in my house. My, um, my sons love to play, you know, chase. They want me to catch them and Tickle him and wrestle him and stuff like that. And uh, I get tired of just running around the house and then my seven-year-old You know, so sometimes what I'll do if I start getting lazy I'll start shutting off the lights because one my seven-year-old he moves a little slower when the lights are off He's like, I don't know where you're coming from. Um, he's a little scared not too scared but He's a little scared a little tentative. He slows down. I can kind of hear him peeking around stuff and um when I catch up, I'll shut all the lights off I'll hide somewhere in their room or whatever and now I'm I'm positioned where I can hear them coming. I can even see them, but they can't see me. I'm just laying there. And they'll come in, oh, I get them and I'll I'll get a good scream out of and everything. And then and they don't want to play no more after that. It's like, oh, you got me, it's over, you know? When we walk in darkness, it's like that, you guys, that um we don't see where the enemy's coming from. He's already set up. He's already got a plan, a plot, a trap, and everything else. And as you walk in darkness, it's like walking into Uncharted, unknown area. You don't know where it's gonna come from, you don't know how it's gonna get you, but know that it will. Know that it will. We need to walk in the light. As men, especially, we need to be walking in the light. And so um Satan tells her, It's not true. You will not surely die. And so verse five, it says, God knows, Satan's still speaking here, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And so now, as you look at what transpires, you have a woman that had a conviction that was right. She listened to the enemy, and her conviction waned. You know, first, don't eat it, don't touch it, you'll die. Now, now the tree looks desirable. It looks good for food. It looks pleasant to the eyes. It looks desirable to make one wise, and, and she's listened to the enemy, and she's bought into his lie, and she took it and she ate it. And then the very next thing that she does, once she sins, is she got her husband, and she said, honey, here. And Adam said, okay, and he took it and he bit it too. So I'll talk about that in just a minute. But, uh, um, you know, and that's, that's one thing too. Sin, people love company when they're in sin. Anybody here knows people with drug habits? If you come from that background, um, most people. You know, they, they, they run with other people that do that. Sometimes for selfish reasons, so you can get some when you ain't got no money. <laughs> but uh, many times, we, 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 the, we, whatever our sins are, we'll run with other people that are just like us, that are doing what we're doing. And so Eve, as soon as she blows it, she gets she gets her husband. I want you to notice something. Satan has been in her face, chopping it up, talking to her. As soon as she did this, he's gone. Got you. Bye-bye. He's gone. He's out of there. Nothing else to say. I got you. I got you. It's like like he just, I'm talking to you, talking to you, talking to you, talking to you, walk you right up to the edge of the cliff, and as soon as you lean over, boom, I'm gone. And that's, Satan took Eve right there, right to the edge of the cliff. She bit it. She ruined what she had. She ruined, at that point, she ruined her relationship with the Lord. She, She took her husband, and she brought him into it as well, and now Satan is gone. Got you guys right where I want you. And I want to point out a couple things. One, I think it's interesting. Two of the stories that we'll look at tonight, Satan uses the wife. Um, why didn't Satan just go to Adam in the first place? Um, I think Eve was, uh, was, you know, the Bible says later, I, I was in Timothy, when God's talking about order within the church and the establishment of, of roles of men and women, he says that Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned willfully. And God made a distinction that that Adam wasn't deceived. He just willfully disobeyed. Eve was tricked. she She actually believed what the enemy was saying here god has put this here for us guys that we would we would be aware that we would know um satan doesn't have any new tricks uh he he runs the old tricks are still working lying to people deceiving people um what would have changed this whole scenario right here is if eve would have taken the word that she knew and if she would have obeyed it she knew the word when satan came but she wasn't holding to it firmly And so she listened to the enemy long enough and she said, yeah, that sounds good. That makes good sense to me. We got to be real careful where we get our information from, how we develop our opinions and our views about different things that that they're born out of a conviction from God's word. Because Satan is lying today still. And it might not be, you know, Satan's not going to roll up in a tree in a a form of a snake in your backyard and start hollering at you. Um, Satan's lying through a lot of other venues right now. He'll be lying through your radio stations. He'll be lying through your friends. He'll be lying through your TV you watching Dr. Phil trying to fix your marriage and it's getting more broke, lying through that dude. I mean, he just he'll take any venue, anything you'll listen to that's not God, Satan can be lying to you through it. The the thing that would protect us from this is that we would hold fast to God's word. That's our protection. That's how, that's how I block this. If this is if this is Satan's offensive weapon here, lying, my defense here is to be a man that stands upon the word of God. Now I can't be deceived. I can't be tricked. If I already know what God's word is said, um, I had last year, I have a daughter that's in junior high and kind of an interesting situation. She had a, um, one of her, she's at a Christian school and one of her Bible teachers said something that was in conflict with with me and my wife have taught her. And it wasn't just my daughter it was my daughter. It was a friend of hers. Who's another pastor's son. And it was about three kids in there that were like, no, we disagree. And they tried to be diplomatic and respectful, but they were like, no, we don't, we don't agree, you know, and they end up having a big, like, the kids were like, my, my daughter, she, as she retells it, she's like, yeah, we were, like, getting scriptures, and the other kid was pulling out verses, and we're trying to, like, argue our point, and then they got in trouble. So she came home, and she was she was hot. She was like, no, Dad, because you said, and, and it says it right here. And so she, it's not just what I said. She's like, it says, I see it. We see it in the word. And she was, like, holding her ground. And I'm like, all right, I got to go up there then. You know, I, I got to go up there, and, and um I got to support this. This is I don't encourage rebellion most of the time. I'm like, on this thing right here, I'm going to encourage it. You're standing on the word. And it, was, it ended up working out real nice. You know, those kids were right, and they stood their ground. But I remember I was proud of her. I said, man, babe, I'm glad you didn't just – buckle i'm glad you didn't just buckle because he's an authority or he's a teacher he's a person when you know better you just you hold your ground whatever that costs you um if it looks like you're getting in trouble you can't get in trouble you know so you you can only get in trouble at home you know at school it can only go so far it says uh, you're you're in the right you're in the good and so we we want to be men that are holding fast standing true to god's word it's a it's one thing that will protect us and keep us from being deceived led astray and ripped off by the enemy I won't go through all of it, but you guys know what happens here. That the punishment, the punishments become come down. One, they're separated from God for the first time since they've been created. Um, they 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 ate from the knowledge of good and evil. They, they recognize their own physical nakedness. Before, it sounds like the Bible says that in the Genesis two that they were naked and not ashamed. They were just walking around like, hey, you know, it's just it was all good. Now, you know, as soon as they ate of this tree and the the, the knowledge of good and evil was there, that they, they they went and got fig leaves and start covering up. They're aware of their nakedness. Um, The innocent. You might have kids that run around naked. They're not aware yet. You know, they just—it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's kind of scary. You know, you hope they grow out of it. You know, sooner than later. You know, my daughters grew out of it sooner than my sons. You know, I think my seven-year-old—he still does it for shock value. You know, he'll run out and the girls will go ah. You know, and now it's not a—it's not an accident. You know, he does it for shock value. But there's a point when the kids are younger, and they really just don't know. It's like what? You know. You know, just there's, you got to, you got little girls, you got to put shorts under their skirts. They just don't know yet. But there comes an age where they become very aware and they know, you know, just, and, and I think as, as I look at this thing right here, the knowledge of getting I think they were living in a phase like that where they just, they were just enjoying just the, the freedom of not caring. It's now it's gone. That's ripped off. And now, um, they're, they're hiding from the Lord, but you can't hide from the Lord. God says, Hey, where are you? Not because he didn't know where they were. It was for them where you guys at what happened and as he started talking to him he said you know he told him you know well, we're naked and you know god said who told you that who told you that where'd you get that from and same thing here you guys if we get tainted by the world and these things it will damage our relationship with the lord it'll create a distance between us and him when the goal of what jesus did on the cross is to bring us near to the lord And as i pointed out in the beginning of this thing The one thing that Satan is doing each time he speaks is seeking to bring separation between men and God. Um, Seeking to bring a division there. That knowing that that's his aim, it ought to be our aim all the more that we maintain intimacy and closeness with the Lord. That if if Satan is trying to get me away from the Lord, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. He He wants to divvy this thing up. He wants to separate it. The one thing that we know is that God won't change. God says nothing will separate you from my love. You can't mess up bad enough. You can't, be a, you, can't be a, you can't be filthy enough to be separated from the love of God. God says there's nobody that I'll turn away, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God, says, if you want me, I want you. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. It'll never be God that's the deciding factor. Rather, we get to be close to him or not. We're always the peace. We're always the piece that the puzzle piece that determines whether this relationship is tight or far away. I've always said this because of what it says in James. That if you draw near to God, he draws near to you. That every man here, myself included, we are as close to the Lord right now tonight as we want to be. And you can say, I want to be close. No, no. We're all as close as we want to be right now. And the access or the opportunity to be closer is always there before us. We can have as much of him as we want. Amen. And so uh, this is Satan's first uh, strategy, his first tactic. So we see he's cunning. uh, We see his deception. And we see his um, just. what he did to, to bring division between e but then even then after he got her um she went and got her husband and sin is contagious you know one of that's one of the one of the issues with sin is that it's contagious you know anybody here as you, as you try to start walking with the lord if you got old friends that are still not walking it's hard it's hard to walk with the lord and walk with them because sin is contagious and that your old nature is looking at them like i want to do that too you know, and inside you want to do right, but outside your flesh is saying, "Man, that looks that looks fun," and that's why the Bible says, "Man, is you, is you got to come out from among them and be separate." For you guys that are here, and God has maybe recently drawn you out and called you into a relationship with Himself, um, you got to take a look at the people around you, because probably all the years that you walked away, where well, when you didn't walk with God, you probably accumulated people around you that were just like that, and now that God is calling you to Himself, it'd be really difficult for you to, to to begin this new relationship and get get close to the Lord with these attachments, uh, there there's season where God will just call you out, call you away, um, and let you you get some Christian brothers. I like, I mean, to be in a fellowship like this, if you're here tonight and that's your, that's your situation, man, get with some brothers before you leave here tonight, establish some fellowship with some guys that you can talk to and hang out with and get, and get around, um, that, that will keep you in line, that will keep you accountable, that'll keep you strengthened, that you wouldn't get sucked back out there because there's nothing out there for you. Just a bunch of lies and a bunch of ripoffs. And just some losses, you know, no, nobody benefits from walking away from the Lord. So Satan's second, uh, his second appearance in the scripture as far as him speaking, everybody turn over to Job chapter one. And most of us are familiar with this story. Um, Whenever you think of the word trial, uh, this probably comes up first in your mind, just uh, the story of Job. Um, But in Job chapter one, we see uh, an interaction between God and Satan. Uh, We get a glimpse into the unseen realm at what takes place. And so um, Job chapter 1, as you guys are turning there, a little background on this. Uh, As the book opens up, God explains or tells us about this man named Job. Says that he's upright, blameless, fears God, and he shuns evil. So he's probably a better guy than most of us that are in here tonight. This is a good dude. Upright, blameless, fears God, shuns evil. Job is a good dude. The stuff that's getting ready to happen to Job is not happening to Job because he's a sinner. It's not happening to Job because he's out there partying. It's not happening to Job because he's half-stepping in his walk with the Lord or he's compromising. Job is a good dude. The Holy Spirit affirms it in the scriptures here. Upright, blameless, fears God, shuns evil. That's this man. Listen is what happens. The Bible says that Satan presented himself before God and the angels. And um, Satan has access in and out like that. And look now at verse, uh, verse 6 of Job chapter one. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. So these are angels presenting themselves before God. Satan showed up. Verse seven says, and the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Satan's I've been, I've been in the earth going back and forth. I say earth, but uh, I've been in the earth. I've been going back and forth in the earth. Um, According to first Peter five, eight, He's going to and fro. He's seeking who he may devour. He's like a roaring lion. That's what he's doing. But he's I have been I've been down on earth going back and forth and I'm paraphrasing. But I, I, I would assume based on what else we know about Satan, I'm down there wrecking shop. I'm ruining lives. I'm wrecking your kids. I'm down on your earth doing what I do. And God said to him in verse eight, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all in all the earth, a blameless an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Now this is kind of scary because Job is a good guy. God is in heaven bragging on Job. God says, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on earth. It's, it's, like, it's like God is is teasing Satan or tempting him, saying, I know you're going back and forth on earth looking for people to destroy. I got a challenge for you though. Have you checked out that guy right there? Have you checked out my servant Job? That there's none like him in all the earth, blameless, upright, fears God, and shuns evil. Have you checked him out? And as you notice, Satan had checked him out. Satan says in verse 9, Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and on every side, around all that he has? Now, notice, Satan doesn't answer God directly either. He doesn't say, Yes, I have checked him out. He says, He says, first answer to God, he says, Job doesn't love you for nothing. He doesn't love you for nothing. He's telling God, Job doesn't love you purely. Job doesn't love you for who you are. Job loves you for what you've given him. And then he goes on to list how come he hasn't been able to get through to Job. He says, have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? Satan said, I did check out Job, and I can't get in. He's covered. His household is covered. Matter of fact, everything that he has on every side is covered. That ought to bring such comfort to the man that's walking with God, that we're covered. Satan doesn't just have free access. He can't just come bombard up in your door whenever he wants. Um, You know, God can allow at times the enemy to come in and do whatever. Um, But it's 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 anything that happens in my life from the enemy. uh, I say this. It's been father filtered. Had to pass by God first. Satan said I was checking Job out, but I couldn't get in. Now, interesting here, um, Job wasn't he hadn't made access. Job was living in such a way that there was no open access. Satan just couldn't get in there um bible says we said it earlier in john 10 that satan is like a thief just trying to get in somewhere um the other day one of the brothers from our church came over and he pulled up at my house he had a handful of stuff he was coming to the door and as he got to the door he said oh man i locked my keys in the car now before i knew the lord um that was one of my that was one of my it's not a gift but that was when i can get i can get in the car pretty well you know um some cars you got to just tear them up but you can get in them you know but I said, I remember I just, it was like, it was an opportunity to redeem that old thing. And I'm like, all right, well, let me look at, I kind of went out there, looked at this car real quick, ran in the house, got a hanger, bent it up on the way out there, two minutes, stuck it in, whoop, bang, got it. And uh, he said, man, he says, he says, what were you, you know, before you came to the Lord, man, it's uh, Brother Greg, you know, and we, um, it was, you know, in my mind as a non-believer, you know, a cracked window was, If, if, if I'm an opportunist back then. A cracked window. You better not have a sound system. You better not have a nice deck. You better not have anything that looks tempting anywhere in the the visual view of the car, because a crack window says it's just it's just a matter of t-t-t-t. and you could I can at least take a good look at it, you know. And um, that's how Satan is, you know. He's just looking for just a little crack, a little open door. I don't need the door open wide. I just need a little crack. Satan doesn't need you to be everything you used to be. He just needs you to be. On crack and fornicating, and he just—I just need a little crack. Can you just leave a little door open for me? You know, I know you're doing good with the Lord. You're doing better than you used to do. You're you're good. You're good. Can you just leave a little crack for me? That's all I need—a little, little, little door, little, little opening for me to get into. We need to be careful in our lives that we're not leaving anything open for the enemy because he doesn't need a whole lot. um I used to think—I mean, when I first got saved, and it was kind of radical the way God changed my life. Before I got saved, I was sold drugs i did credit card scams i was fornicating as much as i could i drank drinking every day um and i came to the lord and pretty quickly the drinking was gone i moved out with the girl i was living with i quit running around with all the females i moved in with my i mean all these things in my life had changed there was still an area of my life un, un can't say unchecked but not conquered and that was the crack in my life uh, for me that was pornography and, and sexual sin and and wicked thoughts. Um, I had tempered behavior and things like that, but my mind, my mind is my active mind. My mind, that wasn't, God didn't have that the way he wanted it. And that was an open door. It was a crack. And, um, and, and God would reveal that and deal with that in my life, but it was a crack. And I realized at a point in time, while I was patting myself on the back that I wasn't as bad as I used to be, God was screaming that, you're not as bad as you used to be, but there's still Satan still has full access. You'll never get where I'm taking you until you shut that too. That is ruining my plan for your life. That is getting in the way of what I want to do. And the Lord revealed that to me uh, as I listened to a Bible study taught by Odin Fong through Revelation chapter 2, the church of Ephesus. And he went through the list of good things about Ephesus. They, they, you guys have works. You guys don't deal with the false teachers. You guys have got patience. Bam, 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 bam. All these good things is nevertheless I have this against you. You have left your first love. And when he said that, nevertheless, he said it it negated everything good that God had just said. He says, I I recognize all of that. Nevertheless, anyway, this thing right here is a big enough deal that I will remove your lampstand. I will remove my presence from you. And it pierced me. It cut me to the heart. And I realized in that moment that that one thing God was saying, it's it's not enough. You got a door open, and that's all Satan needs. I can't take you where I want to take you with that door open. And so maybe for some of you guys here tonight, maybe you're doing better than you used to do. And from maybe from people's vantage point, you're great. You're doing great. But between you and the Lord, there's a door open. May tonight be the night where you call it what it is. and You lay it on the floor. And you trample underfoot and you repent of it and lay it down and you walk out of here free of whatever that thing is. There wouldn't be a door open for the enemy. And so God tells I mean, sorry, Satan tells God. I have checked out and there's a hedge around everything that he has on every side but notice what Satan is doing here now he's challenging he's saying God you think Job loves you Job doesn't love you for nothing Job doesn't love you for you Job Job loves you because you blessed him and I don't have time to go through it all but on multiple occasions here Satan is going to tell God this if you let me do this he will curse you to your face and if I could just paraphrase and tell you the first thing God tells Satan he can do. Says you can't touch him, but you can touch his possessions. You can touch all that he owns, but you can't touch him. And you see the viciousness and the wickedness of Satan. Job was the richest man in the land of us. He was broke in a day. Um, Satan went and sent you know just everything that he possessed—camels and oxen and all the things. That's how you measured wealth back then. They were all ruined in a day. But then one worse than that. He had seven, th- seven daughters and three son- seven sons and three daughters he had 10 kids and they were all together gathered at one of the the siblings houses eating and drinking and satan sent some wind and the four corners of the house fell down and all of his kids died all your kids died. i mean if you took away all my stuff i figure i can get some more stuff you know it'd be kind of a blow but i get some more stuff all 10 kids in a day and he got all that news back to back bam bam and sometimes, you guys, what happens in people's lives, people that know God even, first time something goes wrong, they turn the fist to the Lord. Get a bad report from the doctor. Oh, God, faith, you know, people turn their anger toward the Lord. Always wrong, always wrong to be angry with the Lord. How can you be angry with God who left heaven, came to earth, died for your sins that you could go to heaven? How could you be mad at him because you got a physical sickness? You're going to die anyway. We got to go to heaven some way. How are we going to get there? We got, I got to die to get to heaven. And so there are people that are down here mad at God, mad at the only help that they have, mad at the best help available. They're mad at him because of some earthly thing, forgetting who he is and what he came to do. God didn't come to make this life perfect. God came to pave the way for you and me for the next life. And so when we mix that up, we can be expecting something from God that God never offered. And so So here, you know, Satan does this to Job. And again, his intention, Satan's intentions is that that Job would curse God. Job doesn't curse God. It says, and look at verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it says in this and all this, Job did not sin with his lips nor charge God wrongly and so Job. i mean he's under great grief he's in great pain but Job says you know what he fell down and i want you to see what a what a what a big in your face this had to be to satan because satan said he's going to curse you to your face Job fell down and did the exact opposite he worshiped he gave god glory in the midst of adversity and um i want to point this out because it's the second time a wife is used um look at chapter two um now the, the next time god satan says uh What'd I say? Huh? Yeah, she's gonna be used. I'm sorry. I, I'm not putting down the women. I know they're in there praying for us. God bless them. We we wouldn't make it without them. We wouldn't be here without them. The women are awesome. We need them. God bless them. We love them. But Satan does use those <laughs> So you know. So um, <laughs> in chapter two, the next thing that Satan, God comes back to Satan and says, "Hey, w- w- what happened? How's it going?" And um, you know, because Job hasn't cursed me. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. And Satan says, all skin for skin, all that a man has, he'll give for his skin. Let me touch him, and he'll curse you to your face. God says, okay, here are the parameters. You can touch him, but you can't kill him. Satan runs off with that. Strikes Job with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. You might know what boils are. They're big, pus, open, nasty sores. Every inch of his body just covered with these sores. Um, No relief. He's sitting in... A pot shirt of ashes, the Bible says, um, just scraping off the gunk. I mean, he's in a miserable state of being. And probably the lowest of the low. You lost all your possessions. All 10 kids have died. Your health is failing. You're in the worst situation you've ever been in your life. And I want you to look at the words that come out of this man's wife. Look at verse 9 of chapter 2. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Where did those words come from? That's what Satan said. In the unseen realm, we only know it because it's in the book, but those words came from, that's what Satan was saying to God in heaven. He's going to curse you to your face. Now his wife comes down and says, why don't you, I got a good idea, honey. I got a great idea for you. Why don't you curse God and die? And Job says to her in verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. And so I want to just point this out. Um, As men, uh, how many married men do I have in the room? Married men. All right. I'm careful how I say this, but it's very true. And so I'm going to be real. As men, if you're married, you have a wife. God has called us to lead them spiritually, not to be led by them. God didn't give Eve to Adam to lead him. And when she did, she led him into sin. God gave her to him to be a helpmate, a support. He was supposed to lead her. She was supposed to follow. That's the way it's been from the very beginning. That's the way it is right now. That's the way it's established in the scriptures. It's not a macho domineering, uh, you know, kind of thing. It's not I'm the head. You're the tail. I'm the boss. You do what I say. Bake my chicken or whatever. It's not like that. But God has said, look, I've set an order for things. And I've called men to be leaders. I want you to lead them. I've made you different. I didn't make a woman like I made a man. She's got a different emotional makeup. she got a different physical makeup. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 that she's a weaker vessel. God makes a threat to husbands that he never makes to wives. 1 Peter 3, 7, he says, husbands, dwell with them with understanding. Give honor to them as the weaker vessel and as heirs together the grace of life. And he says this, lest your prayers be hindered, unless you won't even get a prayer through. That never says that to the wife. I was looking for the corresponding verse for the wife that I can give it to mine. It's not in there. (laughs) God says this is for you husband because you're the leader. You honor her as a weaker vessel as heirs together the grace of life. You dwell with her with understanding you. You figure out how to make it work for her but or your prayers will be hindered. I won't even listen to you when you pray. That's a big deal. You know God is saying very married man here. How you do with your wife has something to do with your relationship with the Lord. They're connected now and you can't get out of it. So so do right. Go home and Kiss her on the forehead and understand her and love on her. Amen? Amen. Say it loud. Amen. Say it like you mean it. All right. So um, so here, though, the wife comes. And I just want to point that out, that twice Satan has gone to the weaker vessel. He didn't go to Adam. He went to his wife. So I'll get her. She'll get him. And in this case right here, say I can't get through to this guy, Job. He's just right on dude. I'm going to get through his wife. See if I can't use her to mess him up. I don't think Job's wife was an evil woman maybe in a moment of emotional weakness, maybe, maybe just a moment, she may have been a great woman the rest of the time. She probably was to be with a man like that. You know, she probably was a great woman the rest of, but in a moment, in that moment, somehow, she, somehow she, she got herself in a place where, you know, she was just feeling or whatever, and she says, just what the enemy was thinking, she says out of her mouth. Job needed to be a man, that, that was a man up moment where Job needed to say, no, 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 we're not going to accept good from God and not accept adversity. It's a very unemotional response. A man that's just lost everything that he owns and all of his kids and all of his health. It's not an emotional response. Joe gives a true word-centered response. I will not accept good from God and not adversity. I'm not going to do that. And he, and he glorifies the Lord. God says in all this, Job didn't sin with his lips. And so, again, as men here, um, the, the strategy of Satan here was, can I use difficulty and hardship to turn this man from God? And so every man here has endured and will endure hardship. It's a tough life. People lose jobs, people's health fail, things go wrong, things don't go right. When things don't go right, when things are going wrong in your life, let the last thing that you do be to turn. Don't, not, not even the last thing. Let, may it not even be on the list of things to do to turn away from the Lord. You turn to the Lord in times of difficulty. When things, when, when it's all falling apart, we don't turn away from him. That's when we tr- we turn to him like no other time in our life. Because we learn from this. What do we learn about the enemy? We're studying him for a fight. We know that Satan uses adversity to try to get us to turn away from God. Every time I've sat with someone that's mad at God, my heart, I mean, I literally cringe. I'm like, oh, don't ever be mad at God. If you're here tonight, maybe you've been mad at God. Maybe some travesty has happened in your life. I mean, Job lost children. Job lost health. Job's wife was tripping. Job lost all his money, all his stuff. Whatever's happened in your life, don't turn against the Lord. You don't have, you don't have anybody else like him in the world. He's it. And uh, you want to draw near to him. You want to stay close to him. You want to say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't I, I hurt. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. God, I'm in egg. You want to take all that to the Lord and be honest. Tell him I'm hurting. God, I'm crushed. My I'm 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 broken. I'm I'm in pain. I'm I'm in duress. I'm stressed out. But take it to him and see what he'll do for you as you take it to him. But do not turn away from him. Amen. All right. Last time. The enemy speaks. Turn to Matthew chapter 4 with me. When you get it, say got it. Got it. All right. Matthew 4. It's the last thing we're going to look at, guys, and uh, we'll, wrap, we'll wrap up tonight. Matthew 4. Um, we get finally here. This is, a, this is Jesus himself. And his interaction with satan third time we see satan speaking in the scriptures first time was to eve trying to get her to think god wasn't being fair second time was satan speaking to god telling him that Job doesn't really love you for nothing he loves you because you blessed him trying to trying to divide man from god and then try to divide god from man and then in, in matthew 4 um satan is speaking here trying to derail the savior jesus was on a course jesus came to earth and he was on a course to die for us. He came to die. Uh, That's what he came to do. He left heaven, not because it'd be cool to come check out planet earth for a little while. He left heaven where he was worshiped by the angels 24 seven, where he was, he was given honor and preference and glory. He left that atmosphere and came down to this atmosphere for no other reason than to live the life that we couldn't live, that perfect, sinless, holy life, and to die in our place, the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. That's what Jesus came to do. So look at Matthew four, one through 11. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Um, anybody ever fasted 40 days? Don't, don't raise your hand. 40 days and 40 nights. I bet you would be hungry. <laughs> I bet you, you wouldn't have a greater temptation after 40 days and not eating than something to eat. And so we get this that he was being led of the Spirit out to the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil and it was at a point where he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and then it says in verse three now when the tempter that's one of the nicknames for satan he's a tempter now when the tempter came to him he said if you are the son of god command that these stones become bread i want to point out two things that title that 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 nickname for satan the tempter uh notice this about satan you guys he, he only can work from the outside of the believer's life. Satan can't get in you and possess you and make you do stuff. Some people do dumb stuff. And they're like, the devil made me do it. No, you did that because you wanted to do it. They, Satan can tempt you. He can say, come, come, look at, look at, look at, look at, you know, but you've got to willfully go after it on your own. And so he's a tempter. Tempter can only work from outside. Know that. Because um, I, I hate to hear somebody say, yeah, I was doing good, but the devil made me. The devil got in there and the devil. No, 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 not the devil. You did that. You made a decision. The devil may have tempted you. The devil may have called you off sides, but you moved. You jumped. You went with it. Um, He's a tempter. And he comes to Jesus to tempt Jesus. Jesus in humanity. And he said to him, now when the tempter had come to him, he said, if you are the son of God, that word if, if you break it down in the Greek, it really means since. Satan is not questioning whether or not Jesus is God. He's saying, since you're the son of God, he says, command that these stones become bread. Interesting where he starts at. Satan's like, I'm going to start at your greatest point of weakness. I know you're hungry. I know you're the Son of God. I know you can do miracles. You can do anything. Since you're the Son of God, Satan says, well, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Notice this, you guys. Jesus never did a miracle for him. Every miracle that Jesus did in the Bible was for other people's benefit. He never did a miracle for his own provision, it was always for the blessing and the provision of other people. So Satan is here saying, use your power for you. You're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40. Use your power to do something for you today. Get selfish. Get like me. Satan is saying I'm I'm just breaking it down. Paraphrase what he's saying here. Make turn these stones into bread. But um, Jesus answered in verse four, but he answered, said it is written every three, all three times. Jesus answered Satan. He said those words. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, he says, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He says, "No, no, I, 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 I don't live bread. Is just, I, I don't live by bread alone. I live by the words that come out of the mouth of God. No, and I want to point this out that Jesus didn't just know the word; he knew it, and he obeyed it. He stood upon it, and that makes all the difference in the world. We, everybody here, probably knows some guys that know God's word. They can quote it, they can speak it, they can talk it, but can they walk it out? Can they live it out? As we are men of the word, men in Bible study, men in church, um, we we have to know it before we can do it." But it, is not, it's no, it's, it, it means nothing if you know the word, but if you don't apply it, if you don't do it. you know. If you, if you're a, if you know how to do something, but you don't apply it and do it, it's useless. It's almost worse than not knowing. And so Jesus knew the word, but he also stood on the word. He did what it said. He said, Satan, it is written, man shall, live, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Therefore, I will not do what you're tempting me to do, because it goes against what I know from the word. Second temptation, Satan, the devil took him up. Verse five, the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if and again, it's since you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And now Satan digs into the word of God. He says, for it is written, he shall give his art, his angels charge over you. And in their hand, they shall bear you up. lest you dash your foot against a stone. Interesting here, Satan takes a quotation out of Psalm ninety-one, eleven. He leaves out a portion of the scripture and he says, look, why don't you do this? Since you're the son of God, why don't you climb up to the pinnacle of the temple, come up here and then just jump off? Because it says here in Psalm ninety-one, eleven that his angels will come bear you up. Least you dash your foot against a stone. There's a there's a phrase in there that says to keep you in all your ways. Um, and the idea was this. It, it wasn't God wasn't saying you can go do stupid stuff. And I'll send angels to, to catch you, you know? Or else we'd all be jumping out of buildings and just saying, ah, look at that, you know? Um, but God, that's not it. That's not how it works. God says, I will employ angels when I see fit. I, I I got your back. I'll look out for you. I'll protect you. I'll use them. But it wasn't something for us to put them to the test. None of us here should be running out in front of a Mack truck because we'll be doing your funeral, saying he, he was a good guy. Just not all there, you know? We'd we'll be eulogizing you somewhere. So. Jesus answered again, he says, from the word in verse seven, Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God, the Lord your God. He said, man, you shouldn't tempt, you don't tempt God. I'm not gonna do what you're telling me to, you're telling me to tempt God. The Bible says, don't do so, I will not do it. It stands on the word of God. And I want you to just see that Satan is seeking to call Jesus away. I I know you're on a path, I know you got something that you're trying to do. I'm trying to pull Jesus away, and each thing that he's doing, trying to cause him to do something that would be inconsistent with God's will and purpose him. And the last one, verse eight, and this is the worst one, I think. And again, the devil took him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, this is interesting. The Bible says that Satan is a prince and power of the world. I'm trying to go into it, but in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve messed up, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. God put an angel there to protect it. The title deed to the earth that they had, it went over to Satan. Satan is right now the prince and power of the world. That's why the world is so wicked. That's why the flow of the world is set on course by Satan. And it will be, it will be redeemed in, in Revelation chapter 5. It will be redeemed one day. Jesus will get it back. He'll be worthy to redeem it, the Lamb of God that's taken away the sins of the world. He'll redeem it back one day, but right now it's in that current state. And when Satan takes Jesus up and says, I'll give it to you right now. No cross. You bow down and worship me. I'll give it to you now. I'll give you glory without the cross. Deal? And this would have been horrific, you guys. If Jesus had bought that, we'd be lost. We'd be, we'd be, we'd be condemned. It would be a wrap for you and me. And so what Satan is saying, Jesus, I, I, let, me give you, let me give it to you now. Let me give you glory without the suffering. It'll ruin what God's trying to do. God's trying to save humanity through me. Um, it'll ruin that. But that's what he wanted. And so Jesus answered again. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Third time, Jesus says, no, Satan. No, that's not how we do. He said, away with you. So almost like Jesus is getting irritated. Get out of my face is what he's saying. If you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then look at verse 11. I love this says, then the devil left him and angels came and ministered to him. Satan has a point, you guys, where he's had enough. Bible says in James, if you resist the devil, he'll do what? He'll flee. He'll come back later. But if you resist him, he'll flee. And that word resist, if you guys ever watch football, the guy, the Heisman Trophy position where somebody's coming to tackle you, you're like, you can't. You're just re- resisting him. God, if you resist the devil, he'll flee. How do you resist the devil? You obey God's word. We have an enemy. He's coming after us. He's tempting us. He's lying to us. He's trying to damage our relationship with the Lord, trying to call us outside, trying to get us to move in, in the arenas that God has not called us into. And what Jesus does all four, three times is he stands on the word of God. And Satan has a point where he says, okay, it's enough. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that the, the, the word of God is like it's a sword of the spirit. And I think that Jesus just jabbed him, bam, bam, bam. And at a point Satan says, okay, fine, I'm gone for now. I'll be back, but I'm done for now. And we need to know this, you guys. I desire to have victory in my life. I know that there's an adversary. I know the devil is real just like I know God is real. I know heaven is real. I know hell is real. And I know that there's real temptation and there's real repercussions and there's real, there's a real blessing in walking with the Lord, but there's a real curse in walking outside the purpose and plan and will of God in this life and on this earth. And Satan's doings on this earth, you guys, are the he's seeking a cause. He's already going to hell. He's damned to hell forever. And his desire is to take as many with him as possible. And if you're already saved and he can't take away your salvation, if he can make you impotent. If he can take away, he says, I can't take away the fact that you belong to God, but if I can make you powerless as a Christian, if I can cause you to live so saucy as a Christian, if I can cause you to walk in such compromise and nobody will listen to anything you say, I'll take that. That's good enough for now. If I can cause you to ruin your home and I'll get your kids, I'll take that. If I can get you as a man to not walk in your role and not love your wife and not minister the word to her and not oversee your kids the way God, I'll take that. I can't take away your salvation but I can make you impotent. I can make you powerless with what you do have. And Satan will take that. And I believe within this room, those are the, those are the two things he's aiming at. One, if you're not saved, Satan would love to keep you there, keep you blinded, keep you in the dark, keep you from receiving what the Lord has for you. And if you are a believer, then Satan's agenda for us, you guys, I'm one of them. I'm a believer. Satan's agenda for us is to lead us astray, to deceive us, to get us to not walk in power and authority and victory and not walk in our roles that we might not, but we might might be less effective, that we might be less than what God desires that we would be. And so as we wrap this up tonight, um, as we've looked at him, I got to point this out, you guys, that I believe that God's desire for all of us is that we would have victory. Um, When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just, I don't say just, he died to forgive you of the penalty of your sins, so you won't go to hell one day. But Jesus also delivers us from the present power that sin has over us. That we no longer have to be bound. We no longer have to be in bondage to things. And so what I'd like to do as we close, um, I want to pray for two groups. I want to pray for guys in this room tonight that recognize I, I, I need help. I'm, I'm, I'm not walking in total victory. I'm a Christian. I believed in Jesus. I surrendered my heart to him, but I'm not walking in victory. I need help. I need God to deliver me. I need God to cleanse me and forgive me and empower me tonight that I might begin to walk in victory. And I believe there are men here tonight that don't yet know the Lord. And you need to receive Christ in your heart. And you know it. God's brought you here graciously. God's brought you here tonight because he loves you. He loves you. Loves you, loves you, loves you. And he brought you here tonight that he might introduce himself to you. He might call you into a relationship with him. That he can forgive you your sins. That he can take up residence within your heart. That God can empower you to have victory like you've never had it before. And you know, It's just something that you've got to yield your heart to him. So I'm going to ask everyone bow your heads with me close your eyes and father we thank you for your word to us tonight god we thank you that as we look at the strategies and the tactics of satan we know that there isn't anything that he has that can have victory over us as we walk in obedience to you god we thank you that we can know for a certain god that you have all authority and power in your hand god that no one rivals you no one can compete with you no one can defeat you so god as we align ourselves with you we, we, we know that we can walk in victory and so, Father, I pray right now that you would move in our midst. God, I pray you would pour out of your spirit in this room. And God, there are men in this room tonight that you are calling to a relationship with yourself. Set them free tonight, Lord. May they be free of the concern of what anybody thinks about them, Lord. God, may you set them free in their mind, in their heart. Would you bind Satan who blinds that they might see clearly tonight and they would come running to you, Lord. They would just receive what you're offering to them in the person of Jesus. I'm going to ask while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're here tonight, And you do not know if you die tonight, you go to heaven. There's question in your mind about your salvation, where you stand with the Lord. Um, The Bible declares, you guys, in Romans 10, 13, that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God won't reject anybody. If you're here tonight and you believe that God is calling you tonight, calling you to surrender your heart and your life to him, I'm asking you where you're seated, you'd raise your hand, uh, just acknowledging that God is speaking to you tonight, that God's calling you to himself. So anywhere in this room, if you're here tonight, right now, and God is like God is speaking to you, that you should surrender your heart, would you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. God bless you back there. You back there. Anybody else You believe that God is calling He's the most important thing you'll do the rest of your life, you guys? There's not a more weighty and important decision that we'll make than to surrender our hearts to the Lord. There's not a more, uh, uh, there's not a decision that we'll make that has longer lasting impact. This will impact eternity. Anybody else that you are here. And you believe that God is calling you to himself tonight. God bless you, brother. God bless you back there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, guys. This, this, is, this is what it's all about, guys. This, there isn't anything more important than this, I promise you. And for you guys to raise your hands, I'm going to share this with you, and I would love to pray for you. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, um, I mean, we're all pretty much on level playing ground. We've all sinned. We've all messed up says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that the way we can take advantage of what God has done in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. And this is what it is, guys, that we would know we're sinners, that we know that we're guilty before God, we will know that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the grave. And we are bowing the knee to him tonight. We're confessing him as Lord. For you guys to raise your hand, I am going to invite you to pray this out loud. Don't be ashamed, you guys. You guys are surrounded by men and brothers that will, we celebrate your commitment to Jesus tonight. We celebrate it. There anything better that's happening tonight than some guys are coming in here and giving their hearts and their lives to Jesus. So we invite you to pray this out loud. It's a prayer of doing just what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, confessing Jesus as the Lord of your life. Just pray this out loud. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that he rose from the grave and conquered sin, death, and Satan for me. I confess you as the Lord of my life, and I ask that you would have your way in my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. The last thing I want to do, uh, I want to just pray for the re- I'm gonna, I'm going to just assume that everybody else here could use some prayer in some area. You know what it is. God knows what it is. I'm going to just take I'm going to just take that assumption and say we probably all can use some help. And we all need his strength. And we all need more of him and less of us. Amen. Can I ask you guys to stand up, put your arm on the shoulder of the brother next to you? And we're going to stand in agreement and just pray together with one another right now. All right. Father, as you look down into this room, see us for what we are. God, we stand before you now. Every guy is standing up. God, we all are acknowledging now. We need you. God, we need your power in our lives. Father, we ask that you would fall upon us tonight in, in the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we pray you would baptize us in the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we recognize that we we can't do it without you, Lord. We can't walk with you without your strength, without your help, Lord. We pray you would pour out upon us tonight. Lord, we pray that where we're weak, you would be strong, Lord. God, we pray that where we've been failing, that, God, tonight would be we get a new slate. God, we pray you would wash us, cleanse us in the blood of your son, Jesus. Renew us, Lord, and renew a right mind and a right spirit within us tonight. And, God, I pray that um, you would just help us, Lord. Help us to walk out of here tonight committed to obeying you lord that we be men of the word men that stand on your word god i pray for the married men here that we go home and god we just we would look into the word god we love our wives with a biblical love That god we treat them the way you call us to treat them that we lead the way in our home That god we be that godly example that our wives and children can gladly follow and so father we pray you would help us to be that i pray for the single guys god that you would cover them there are certain struggles and battles that come with being single god cover them lord lord until you bring them into what you have until you bring them a bride god we pray they walk in purity and holiness and that they would use their singleness to serve you and so father we pray again for each guy here we ask your covering god we confess that without you we can do nothing but we thank you that your word says that through you jesus we can do all things that we can do everything that you have called us to do through your strength and with your help so father help us strengthen us be glorified in our lives give us victory over the enemy We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. 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 God bless you, brothers.